God offers victory through surrender. This is Pastor Mike Kramer of New Life Church, your home of positive faith, bringing you power for living. Come to the cross and find forgiveness. Get into his word and you'll find strength for your soul. Tap into the love that God has given and you'll find power for Powerful Living is a positive faith ministry. We believe that a positive attitude in life is an expression of the positive faith which embraces a powerful truth that with God, all things are possible. Pastor Mike Kramer is a founder of Powerful Living, senior pastor at New Life Church, and the author of the inspirational book, Power Moments. Tap into the love that God has given And you'll find power for living My friend, today I want to speak on the subject of victory through surrender. You know, victory, triumph, surrender, defeat, all those kinds of things. You know, how can you have surrender that leads to victory? They seem opposite, and obviously they are, and it's obviously an oxymoron. Now, John the Baptist, where I'm drawing this concept from, is in chapter 3 and verse 30 of John's Gospel, John the Baptist, speaking of Christ, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. That's the idea of victory through surrender. You know, when you think of an oxymoron, you think of words like bittersweet or a sad smile or sweet sorrow or a serious clown or alone together, required donation, a dark light, jumbo shrimp, awfully good, paid volunteer, icy hot, random order, Organized chaos, a calm storm. These are all things that seem like opposites, and you get the idea. So victory through surrender sort of has a an unusual ring to it, but that's the key to growing in our faith in Christ. John the Baptist said, speaking of Christ again, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, in John's Gospel, chapter 3, beginning at verse 22, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John also, speaking of John the Baptist, was baptizing in the Anon River near Salim because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there's this little kind of dispute amongst John's disciples and Jesus' disciples, you know, uh, who's the greatest and all this kind of stuff. And John the Baptist just steps in and says, wait a minute, guys, Christ must increase, but I must decrease. And he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, John the Baptist is going to do some teaching here on how there is victory through surrender. Christ has just had a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, a religious leader, and he says, look, you need to be born again. 
if you want to enter the kingdom of God. This kind of puzzled Nicodemus, and Jesus gave two analogies. He gave a subjective analogy in John chapter 3 and verse 8. He says it's like the wind blows where it wills, and you can see it, but you don't really know where it's happening. And the idea is, I call it the backstory of every salvation. You see the sovereign hand of God. You know, the, the wind blowing. You see the effects of the wind. You see the trees bending or the leaves blowing or the snow blowing. But we really don't see the wind itself. And that's the idea of being born again. You see the effect, but you don't really understand exactly how it happened. But you see the transformed life. But then he gave an objective analogy in, in John chapter 3. Verse 14 and 15, he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, or eternal life. And then that great verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That objective analogy, you know, going back to Numbers 21, uh, where the people sinned and God sent these fiery serpents and they were being bitten and they were dying. And Moses goes to the Lord and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God says, well, uh, make a serpent of brass and put it out on a pole. And those who go and look, they will live. And Jesus draws upon that analogy uh, for Nicodemus, a religious Jewish leader. He understood exactly what Christ was saying. And Jesus says, just as that took place, Christ was going to be lifted up obviously referring to his death on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the entire human race. But back to this idea, then as you follow through, there's a conversation that takes place between John the Baptist and the disciples of Christ, as we just read about. And the idea is every salvation has a backstory of the hand of God at work in someone's life. Whether you're born into a Christian home and you grow up and you hear the gospel that God loves us and Christ died and rose again for our sins and gives the gift of eternal life to all who trust in Christ and Christ alone by faith inviting Christ into their life as their personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe you get exposed to the gospel by a, a colleague at work or a teammate or a classmate or a neighbor, uh, a friend or a loved one. The list goes on. But God brings people into our lives. Maybe you attend church somewhere or you listen to the radio and you hear the gospel and you respond in faith. There's the backstory of God's sovereign hand, but there's also that moment of truth where you look and believe and you trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. For some, that moment of truth can be when they're uh, getting ready to be confirmed in a, in a formal religious setting, and they've learned many of the truths of the gospel, and then they go through a, a confirmation, so to speak. But if they mean what they say and trust in Christ, that's their moment of truth. For others, it's just a quiet moment where you bow your head and invite Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. Whether it's in a formal way or an informal way, everybody needs to have that moment of truth where you come to the point where you say, I need Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone. So salvation, our victory in Jesus by surrendering to his provision. You know, we have to either believe or reject. John 3, 36 is sort of a sobering verse where the scripture says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. But he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, we either accept or reject. 
the provision that God has offered. That provision is Jesus Christ, that Lamb of God, John 1, 29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 36, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That Lamb is a picture of Christ being our sin bearer. Coming upon the Christmas season, you call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, Matthew 1, 21. Luke 2.11 talks about how there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. First and foremost, Christ is our Savior. He is our sin bearer. Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That word righteousness is just a big word. The idea is a right relationship with God. Sin separates us from God. But the good news of the gospel is Christ built the bridge at the cross to reconnect us to the Father. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thank God for Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Now, this provision, he paid the penalty for our sins, but he also took the punishment for our sins. He bore the wrath of God. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, Christ cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was happening there? He was paying the penalty for the sins of the entire human race, but he was also bearing the punishment for our sin. In order for an eternal payment to take place at one point in time, it took the God-man, the eternal Son of God, paid the penalty for our sins. He took our hell, if you will, the separation from God. He paid that penalty and bore our punishment And then when you, by faith, invite Christ in your life, the Bible says the wrath of God uh, will no longer be abiding upon you. If we reject him, well, then we will stand before him one day and give an account. And so we need to invite Christ into our life. He paid the penalty. You know, the wrath of God, simply stated, is God's resolve to punish sin. And that's what Christ did for us. He paid the penalty, and he took our punishment. And the good news of the gospel is that when you come to faith in Christ, you can have the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, and a better way of living on this earth. But that wrath of God that abides upon our shoulder is removed at that point in time. You know, the love of God and the love of the Son of God paid the penalty for the wrath of God. Thank God for John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So salvation, that's our victory in Jesus by surrendering to his provision. Then identification is our victory in Jesus by surrendering to to his proclamation. You know, in John chapter 3, they were baptizing. You know, in the simplest sense, baptism is our public identification 
of our personal faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in one God who's revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And baptism is just a public announcement of our personal faith. And if you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what they did. And I like in Acts 8, 37, where a guy says, hey, in Verse 36, here's water, what keeps me from being baptized. And Philip, an evangelist, said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the guy said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They stopped the chariot, went down and baptized him. But at New Life, we baptize by immersion because we believe it's the best picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. Romans 6, 4 says, therefore, we are baptized with him. We are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. The believer goes into the water. It's a picture that Christ died and was buried. The believer comes out of the water. It's a picture that Christ bodily resurrected from the dead. Now, we recognize that some uh, uh, wings of the faith baptize different ways. I'm just sharing with you how we do it here. And then devotion. Our victory in Jesus by surrendering to his purpose. The ultimate purpose is found in John chapter 3 and verse 30, where John the Baptist, speaking of Christ, said, he must increase, but I must decrease. My friend, the purpose of every human being is to glorify Jesus Christ, to serve him, to be a part of his kingdom work. And I really believe that that's the idea of descending to a higher destiny is the result of victory through surrender. When you say, I'm here to point people to Jesus Christ and everything that God brings into my life is for his glory and for my good. And I will try to point people in the direction of the Lord. But it's not about building my kingdom. It's about building the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Oh, my friend. There's victory through surrender when you come to Christ in salvation, when you follow Christ in identification, and then when you live for Christ in total devotion to Him as your Lord and Savior. You follow the Lord in that way and say, He must increase and I must decrease, and you'll have the blessing of God upon your life. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace in your heart and power for living. Amen.